Gracious and holy God, we enter into your presence with great expectations. May the meditations of our hearts and minds and the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight. Amen. It was in 1991 that the United Methodist Church joined other churches, other denominations, as well as other synagogues uh, during the month of October to recognize the spiritual, physical, and emotional development of children, to celebrate it. It's a time of recognizing how they impact our lives, how we learn from them, and how we can continue to care for them. This particular Sunday is known as Children's Sabbath, and many churches uh, recognize it on the third Sunday of October, but in our United Methodist uh, uh, calendar lineup, the third October is Laity Sunday, and so many churches today are recognizing uh, the work of children among them on this day on the 13th. I've been to some churches where uh, the children are not in worship, where they are out at a, at a worship service of their own and they are not in the same place that maybe the teenagers and adults are. And when that is done well, children grow and learn in these environments. They're environments that are created especially for the rambunctious and creative and energetic uh, nature of our children. But I do wonder if maybe the ones that are missing out is you and I, when we don't have the children among us. I know they squirm. I know they can be a little noisy and distracting, especially to their parents. I know that for me as a worship leader, they do not bother me as much. I can preach and not listen to the crying baby or the squirming toddler or the fussy preschooler or even the chatter of the elementary kid. I can even preach and not be distracted by an occasional yawn or snore of the older children among us. In fact, for the most part, I believe that this is God's way of creating beautiful noise even as we worship. I was uh, fairly new to... to preaching on a regular basis when I took my appointment in Jacksboro and our youngest granddaughter Parker was born just as I got to that appointment so about two or three months in she was staying with us and she was in the pew with Papa and she began to rustle and to squirm and to fuss and to cry now up until that point I had heard babies cry all around me never bothered But what I I was trying to preach and that kept calling, there's just something about your own kids, right, that you kind of tune into. And so I had to stop everything and say, I'm sorry, I've got to go over and see about Parker. She needs her moku. So we did that. So parents, I get it when you say, I'd like to be able to worship without distractions. And I think the disciples got it too. Because, you see, I think... They thought that when people were bringing their infants and their children to Jesus to be touched by him, they saw this as something of a distraction to Jesus. They assumed that it would interrupt his very important work. But in true Jesus fashion, he shattered their assumptions. 
And as Luke tells this story in three very short verses, he lays out Jesus' entire theology concerning the centrality of children in the kingdom of God. We find this story in Luke, the 18th chapter, picking up with verse 15. Listen now to what the evangelist says to us about how Jesus blesses little children. People were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they sternly ordered them not to do it. But Jesus called for them and said, Let the little children come to me and do not stop them. For it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Children in antiquity uh, occupied kind of an odd space, uh, an odd place in society. In the Roman society, they were uh, considered property of the household, uh, the head of household, and he could do with them as they wished. That was not always so, so good for boys and girls of Roman descent. But in Jewish homes, uh, these children were loved for, they were cared for, and they held this intrinsic value that that they understood that they were the future and the long-term survival of the community. So uh, even though they were uh, loved and honored within the family, they had a societal hierarchy in which everyone belonged. So in public places, that social hierarchy was observed and children were inconsequential. Even though they were protected by Jewish law against brutal treatment and abandonment, unlike their Roman cohorts. But because of their lower position, I believe that that is what the disciples were reacting to. They perhaps thought that these interruptions were inappropriate or out of place given the public nature of Jesus' speaking. But Jesus takes this opportunity to set the record straight once again about the accessibility of the kingdom and his accessibility to him. He rebukes the disciples and he explains two important things about the kingdom of God, the population and who has accessibility to it. Now, when we read the Greek in this passage, it is rather vague around the way Jesus comments about belonging to the kingdom of God, that children belong to the kingdom of God. It is not so much that they rule the kingdom of God or that they are in charge or in control of anything, but rather that they make it up. They make up the kingdom of God. When I learned that, I felt pretty encouraged. Sound like good news to me. I think of myself as a child of God. Therefore, I have accessibility to the kingdom. But then God, or Jesus throws out this next thing. He says, he offers this challenge. He says, you cannot receive the kingdom unless you are childlike. So I had to get to thinking. What does he mean for us to be childlike? I remember uh, when I was serving communion to a bunch of two, three, four, and five-year-olds, It was a a new thing that we did in extending our table from the main sanctuary out into our children's worship time. 
And so uh, the first Sunday, I took bread and juice out the center aisle and went to where the children were meeting. And Abby and I began to explain and talk about what communion means with these youngest people among us. So most of them, the four- and five-year-olds, had been in church with their mom and dad for a while, and they understood what communion was about. They had at least seen it, but some of those had not. So we lined them up, and we kind of explained, you're going to get bread, you're going to get juice, and this is how we do it. We went down the, the, the row, blessing each child, saying, God loves you. I get to the end, and there's Hudson. Now, Hudson is fresh out of the nursery. Like he's not even been in church, right? This is like a rite of passage for him to come and sit with mom and dad until children's time and then go to children's worship. And so you could see on his face this amazing look of of confusion. What is this odd activity with a clump of bread and an odd cup that has juice in it? So I got to Hudson, and, I, and we handed him the bread, and we said, Jesus loves you. And then I put the cup out, and I said, Jesus loves you, Hudson. And Hudson took a look at me like, like he didn't know what I wanted him to do. And so I simply said, put the bread in the juice. Plunk. He did. I remembered how literal three-year-olds can be, and so I said, let's try that again. We gave him another piece of bread, Jesus loves you, Hudson, and then we held out the cup, and I said, this time, Hudson, put your whole hand in the cup. Oh, no, you know where this is going. He not only put the piece of bread in there, he continued his whole entire hand down into that cup, and... Abby and I were just laughing, and as he pulled it out and it's dripping down his arm, I told him, Hudson, that's a lot of love, and he was literally licking that love right from his hand. You see, I think Hudson had come to that experience of God's amazing love with curiosity, with an openness, an eagerness to experience it wherever it met him. I think that he came to it and he offered himself all in. And that's what Jesus is asking us. Jesus is commanding us to require our faith to be unrestricted. One that's eager to learn and to grow and to experience God in new ways. A faith that is innocent and fresh and curious. One that is simply all in. When we hold a childlike faith, we experience God's grace in new ways. And those new ways look a lot like the kingdom of God. Dr. Leanne Hadley has done a lot of work on the spiritual development of children. She believes that our children are especially spiritual and they're capable of deep spiritual experiences. She advocates for children's programming that goes beyond curriculum that merely entertains and has offered something deeper and more substantial in the lives of these kids. She offers techniques that help children to discover the quiet discerning of the Holy Spirit and the encounter the touch of Jesus as the first children did and the wonder of God the Creator. She understands that these children are deep spiritual beings But being these deep spiritual beings, they also 
find themselves suffering in a silence in a world that is filled with busy adults. One thing that we know that children face is worry and anxiety. You should know these things. I read this week that half of all children will experience bullying in school, and I'm not talking about an occasional mean act. I'm talking about serious bullying. One-third of our children will live in poverty in the U.S. today. And I'm not talking about just food insecurity. I'm talking about shelter insecurity and clothing insecurity as well. And one in three will lose a significant family member to death before they are in the eighth grade. One in three. Our dear spiritual beings, children, they grieve, they feel shame, they feel loneliness and isolation and worry. They need a sacred space, a safe sacred space among them that you and I can offer to help them learn how to pray, discern the presence of God even in the midst of their suffering and pain and a place where they can encounter the God of hope and healing. So I began to think, what would it look like if we, the Decatur family, Methodist family, uh, created this safe space and created partnerships with our kids? What if we become those trusted adults in which they can come to us that's not apparent when they, they just need to be heard at a very deep and meaningful level, when they need to learn how to pray when they can't pray for themselves? What would it mean if we called them each by name? When I was first uh, in ministry, I can remember telling my intern supervisor that one of the things that scared me the most was to do children's time. I didn't know how to handle children. I didn't know how they thought. I didn't know how they acted. And I certainly had terrible classroom management skills. And so it scared me every time I was assigned the children's time. Dr. Spann said to me, Cassie, if you will look in the face of a child and learn their name and stand at the door of your church and call them by name every day, that fear will be transformed. And in fact, it has been transformed for me. There is a way that each one of us can connect with children on Wednesday and on Sunday and other times in between. There is an opportunity for you to impact the lives of children, but more importantly, there is an opportunity for these children to impact your life in amazing and eye-opening and innocent ways. So I've asked the children to come back this morning. I am going to give them the blessing stick. All right, so I'm going to ask you all to take one. Now, you've got to wait just a minute. You've got to wait till the music starts, okay? And then they're going to do what they learned a minute ago. They are going to pl- pass the blessing throughout this congregation. If you would like a blessing from a child, you can keep them. And uh, you can uh, put your hand out, and they will come and bless you. I want to remind you, friends, that Jesus said, let the little children come to me, do not hinder them. For to, to them, to the such as them, the kingdom of God belongs. And today, a blessing from the kingdom of God is coming your way.